up, everybody? Reach Ginto here, managing editor at Food Beast. Now, this isn't your normal catch-up intro, and I get it, but we honestly haven't been living in normal times. So beyond covering the fluid news cycle of restaurants and food, we've also recently focused on the Black Lives Matter movement and the importance of its cause and its relation to the food world. So we're currently pre-producing catch-up episodes featuring Black entrepreneurs, political activists in food, and DACA recipient restaurateurs, so stay tuned. We got some heat in the chamber. That's for, that's for damn sure. Thank you, Reach. Uh, guys, welcome back. It is the catch-up. Fatties, I hope you're staying well-fed. Um, it's really important to us that everyone is well-fed. You know what I mean? What's up, Jeff? How are you, bro? I'm doing good, man. Um, I'm getting ready to do a lot of online ordering since uh, mm. California restaurants are shutting down dine-in service for three weeks. Um, yeah, at least as of the recording of this pod. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy times. We reach and I came back from Vegas production last week. That yeah. was crazy to see, you know, the strip at 20% um, capacity and a whole lot of people not wearing masks. It was, it was, uh, it was, it's, it's been crazy, man. And I'm, I'm excited to be back, especially with, uh, with what we're going to talk about. Bro, spicy. I feel like in Vegas, even pre-COVID, we should have been wearing masks. Like, I can't imagine being at a pool party in Vegas now and not wearing a mask. I need, a, like, an entire scuba suit you know, uh, if I go. Like, Vegas, bro. <laughs> bro I've, I've had some nasty pool party experience. I remember once, I mean, when you're drunk, you're just, your inhibitions are closed. And I think that's why, like, bars became kind of the first place where at least the California governor's like, let's, let's shut that shit down for a little bit. But yeah. man, I feel it for restaurants right now. I hate that we have to keep talking about this, but, um, you know, the on off switch of like, you don't know if your restaurant can open or close, keeping them staffed. It's not an enviable position at all. And even as like a consumer, I don't know, like, I still don't feel comfortable going into a restaurant right now I'll, I'll order out uh if they have seeing outside i'm gonna try to order and sit down i feel i'm over the um i'm curious where you guys are at with your personal tolerance levels of uh how you might get covid um but for me I, i'm over the like it's gonna pass on textures and on materials and it's more about being around people in an enclosed area that's kind of my comfort level right now so if i go to a restaurant and they have a dope patio or something outside like I'm good. I'm, I can sit on that patio, but, uh, reach where, where are you at with that? I know you're still, you're eating out, but wh where's your comfort level at? So, I mean, there's two instances where I've ate inside a dining room. One was when it the open, the restaurants reopened again in the beginning in LA. And I was like, all right, let me support this Chinese restaurant that, you know, needs it. And I was like, all right, let me pop in. And, you know, it was weird. They had the social distancing measures with separated tables and whatnot, but I still, even as I sat there and I'm like, okay, I, I like that I'm helping this particular restaurant, but I just, I wasn't too 100 with the whole experience. I still felt a little sketch and suspect about catching the Rona. And the second, uh, in second instance was when Jeff and I were in Vegas and we were dining at a noodle shop and already like, as Jeff mentioned, feels like a lot of people felt like 90% were not wearing masks. And given that thought that was, in my head and seeing these people there, like just being in that restaurant, I still wasn't, un I was still uneasy about eating there. So now like having to go through those thoughts and those feelings, I'm like, I'm not dining in 
um, anytime soon. It's strictly takeout or if there's like an open air patio, maybe that, but I'm doing the takeout route. So we and represent all sides of the spectrum here because I've been like pretty aggressive in my in-dining situation and I haven't, uh, I haven't really thought about it too much. I mean, I have, I mean, and so I'm wearing masks. Um, before we went to our travel production, I definitely got COVID tested because I know I was going to spend um, time in the car with our colleagues. I knew I was going to spend time with people on set in productions. And so did everything that I felt like I should be doing and, and knowing what I can beforehand. Um, but at the same time, I, get, I think I'm one of the more aggressive people at Food Beast because I, I purposely was the catalyst to stay in Vegas to do more productions, to cover more restaurants that are hurting, just because I felt that that mission was a, was a bit more important than the theoretical. And so I, I think we all respect each other's various um, opinions on the subject matter. Yeah. But, you know, but at the same time, I'm glad we represent that spectrum because restaurants are having just, I can't imagine an industry going through more turmoil um, maybe airlines, but like, so, like restaurants, especially with, I mean, you had states like Georgia and Florida, right. That are basically saying like, open up to the public and now having to dial that back. And every time you're doing that, a restaurant is hiring employees, it's firing employees, it's figuring out their food inventory, making estimate estimations on what demand will be. And those Estimations on demand, I think, is one of the big things why we're talking here today. And I wanted to share a story with you guys about what restaurants have to go through because as, of, as we know right now, online ordering or phone ordering is one of the only ways for consistent income for these restaurants. But what's happening is clusters of demand are going through kind of single points of entry. So when we think about like, oh, it's 12 o'clock, I'm hungry. And then other people are having that same feeling around lunchtime. They're no longer walking into a restaurant. They're online ordering. They're going through delivery. They're calling. And one of the stories we keep hearing from restaurants is they can't handle the demand in these bursts, even though yeah. they need every penny of the demand. So if you're a restaurant with a single phone line and a single person doing customer service and the average order takes five minutes to complete, well, you can do 20, you know, you can do whatever that is. Fifth, uh, my math is it's really like a pinhole. It's like a pinhole. Like you can only put, you can only put in as many orders as the size of that freaking pinhole. And right yeah. now that pinhole is the telephone line right? Especially if you're trying to really support a restaurant right now, it's not about getting your order through some, some third party, right? You're trying to, to put in that order by calling them, walking up, doing some sort of thing. And a lot of them want you to call in. And Jeff, you were talking to me about this order you were putting in, I forget where, but you tried to call and you were just on hold. Like that on hold is like, because there's one person that's able to answer the phone in even the biggest of restaurants, it's not like they usually have a lot of phone demand that that usually that phone demand isn't isn't there like it is right now so i think covid has really kind of is stress testing how people put in phone orders and 
I think we have an interesting discussion today because we're trying to find out some sort of solution for that, I think. And in that discovery of, of like, how can we help restaurants or what solutions are out there, Reach, you kind of stumbled upon this company called Numa, right? So tell me what, what Numa does. Uh, Numa actually addresses what you brought up and what uh, Jeff brought up too, is like suddenly restaurants have this influx and it creates a bottleneck of whatever that influx is. Now, Numa is a technology, it's AI based. Uh, it's really cool so that it's like a personal concierge and also answers oh. texts, uh, emails, and also Facebook messages and calls as well. So it's kind of like if you think of a, a tangled snake pit of cords, a lot of wires are crossed. And if you waste a lot of time uncrossing those wires, a lot of your businesses will get affected. So Numa just streamlines that whole process, assigns different um, functions to answer different things. And I think that um, that efficiency is going to help businesses a lot. Beyond that, it has more benefits that we can dig into um, as we get into to the interview later. But it's a really cool technology and a very um, great alternative technology so that Restaurants don't have to feel like they're cornered by third-party delivery apps. They, they just got to know there's different um, avenues and solutions out there. So I thought Numa was a great candidate for that. If I, can, if I can share with you guys my online or my attempt at ordering yesterday. Yeah, what happened? There's just like so many, there's so many things that can go wrong. I mean, the first thing is like you hit a busy signal. And then are you really trying to put in the order with the same restaurant? The second thing is like, I'm sure like millions of people in the US is, I, I use Yelp to categorize or get information. And well, Yelp is attached to Grubhub. And if you click the phone button on Yelp, there's these prompts now that come up that say, are you seeking to order or are you calling for general information? And the only reason it's doing that is because the number is the same. Restaurants don't have two numbers, but they're trying to track uh, the commissions that they can then charge a restaurant if you click, oh, I'm coming through Yelp and I'm clicking that phone button to call your restaurant. So that's, that's spicy, been, dude. which is crazy. And it spent, sends me on this wild goose chase of can I find the number not using Yelp? So I'm leaving the app, I'm opening up an internet browser, I'm Googling the restaurant, I'm calling a wrong number to the restaurant because I'm looking at a weird website without the full menu that doesn't have the right information. And so I end up going back to Yelp, calling the number on Yelp, and then pressing the button calling for, gen quote unquote, using finger air quotes here, general information, and then placing my order that way. But even then, I was thinking about it. You know, I put in close to a $100 order last night for a small group of people and and I they took that order without a credit card either. So now now the restaurant's <laughs> risking $85 order that they took from this random person over the phone that they don't collect my information from and if I don't show up they have to eat that labor and food costs. They need to take the fucking credit card number. I like that's what's crazy about this whole thing is maybe they just like they're running into this all right now. They weren't getting as many takeout orders, but you got to take that credit card number. And I might be missing something. I might have a blind spot to why they don't take the credit card number, but take the fucking credit card number, especially right now. Because like, yeah, dude, why would, why would the restaurant front 
when it, I could be some like YouTuber giving a prank and, and calling about like a $40,000 fucking dumpling order. Obviously, I think once it hits a threshold, they're like, we should probably take a credit card number or, but like even $50 orders add up when they're just left standing and someone decides like, oh, I'm like not going out anymore to pick up this order. Like take the fucking credit card number. So I think this discussion actually, it's kind of giving us the, you know, where I know we seem like fatties and we're talking a lot about like micro minutia about how restaurants take orders. But if we don't talk about this shit and help them find solutions just collectively by keeping the discussion at a top, top high, us is like people that want to eat. Well, these restaurants can't survive if they don't find solutions like these, like even the little, the micro thing that Jeff just talked about of like Yelp taking a commission when you call thinking that's like just helping them. Like, I'll just call. Like Yelp is now taxing that restaurant because they showed you where to get that, that food where if we can kind of find these little solutions that give the power back to the restaurant, I think we're doing some sort of due diligence, not just us, but like you guys listening, like there's a reason that we can talk about these things at nauseum. Cause if we can make these little changes over time, hopefully restaurants take back more of their power and they can control more of the life cycle around people ordering food and make their profit margins higher. That's what I was talking about. Just untangling all those mixed up cords and wires. And yeah, I, I said that it applied to restaurants too, but as Jeff relayed with his experience, that wild goose chase represents that tangled cord of wires as well. So untangling on both ends, consumer and business is super important. And to go full circle is the, I think the restaurant didn't take my credit card number because this specific Thai restaurant in Long Beach, it's called Long Beach Thai. It's freaking amazing. Shout they out. do volume on to-go and phone orders. So they're just trying to get off the phone as quickly as possible to mm. go to the next order, but they're still putting themselves at risk because they don't have a system, I'm assuming, like NUMA. And so, Reach, I'm, I'm curious about who you talked to um to kind of dive into to your conversation well um thankfully i was able to get some time uh with tasso rumliotis who is the co-founder and ceo of numa and also lex gopnik lewinsky he's an owner and founder of augie's montreal deli in berkeley california um, lex is a restaurant who utilizes numa and he relayed his experience and detailed all the benefits that um happened to his business and also um just the ease of using alternative technology so that restaurants don't have to feel obligated to use other forms of technology that actually hinder them in the long run. So um, we had Lex break that down on that end and Tasso, he was able to break down just the nuts and bolts of what Numa was. What's up everybody. And today we are welcoming Lex from Augie's Montreal Deli. He's the owner there and Tasso, uh, founder of Numa. Hey, so, hey, first off, Lex, I got a couple questions for you in terms of how it's how this technology has uh, either shaped, helped out, or um, continued to help it stay afloat during the pandemic. How long have you been using Numa? We were actually one of the first restaurants to get on on the platform, so we've been we've been using it pretty much from the start of our business, which was about two years ago, and it's always been helpful. It's another. It's, it's almost like having it's almost like having an extra employee to to handle some of the basic questions that come across. Um, and during the pandemic, it has been our lifesaver. I mean, we're pretty much doing over forty five, fifty thousand uh, dollars a month 
in revenue just through NUMA. It's been incredibly helpful. Uh, the way that we have everything set side delivery is really easy. Uh, it allows for that non-contact ordering payment and then us being able to drop it off to the cars when they come out front. Um, it's been, it's been really helpful. Um, it's, it's basically kept us afloat. If we didn't, if we didn't have it going on and we had to deal with just doing delivery via caviar or Grubhub or any of the other delivery services who take this huge percentage off of every order, I would, I would have shut the doors a long time ago. You mentioned those specific figures. Were those significantly significantly higher prior to implementing NUMA services? Uh, our numbers were overall because we had the the dining service. Um, again, we had NUMA before that, but the, uh, the 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 numbers of sales that we're doing strictly through the NUMA Eatmoji platform uh, is is way higher, is way up from what it was previous to COVID nineteen. Mm, okay. Uh, now, I had a friend, um, Jeff, he's actually uh, one of the co-hosts of The Catch-Up, also one of the co-founders of Food Beast. He had an experience uh, during Mother's Day where he was trying to uh, order something, you know, some food for his mother, but being that it's such a busy day and this restaurant was very popular, he had to call multiple times till he finally got through to somebody. Uh, is that some of the challenges that you were facing prior to using NUMA? Or if there were, like what other challenges were there? I mean, a lot of it comes down to a lot of the questions that people ask on your landline phone calls are pretty much standard stuff. When are you open? Where are you located? Do you have this? Do you have that? And so if you've got to have one person who handles all those questions and you've got to pay them the hourly wages that we're paying here in the Bay Area, uh, that's all that adds up pretty quickly. So having NUMA to, to, to take that load off of our shoulders as a business was, was really helpful and huge. Uh, even before the, the pandemic came into effect, it was essentially like having another front of house person. You know, if you're in a, if you're in a fancy restaurant, you're going to have a, a host or a hostess who's going to seat you, who's going to answer the phones, who's going to check you in for your reservations. So having, having Numa and Eatmoji was essentially like having one of those people, except for a, a, at a substantially lower cost. Um, in terms of substantial, what's the difference between like having someone to just specifically do that and just using Numa? Well, you've got, uh, we're, in, we're in Berkeley, California here, trying to pay a living wage as best we can. So the minimum wage here is $15 an hour. So you take 15, you multiply it by eight. You're probably better at math than I am. I just make a sandwich. I don't do the number stuff. I don't do that. I'm just the writer. <laughs> so Tasso can do, Tasso's probably much better at that type of stuff. You know, he's, he's a McGill graduate. He's very esteemed, very, very intelligent man. Uh, but, you know, eight times 15 versus whatever you're going to be paying for the service through NUMA, through Emoji, which I'll let Tasso talk about. And I, my math is bad, but my math is good enough to know that that's a hell of a savings versus hiring somebody and, and dropping $15 an hour, eight hours a day. I'll leave it at that. Got it. Got it. How did you hear about Numa? Uh, so uh, I'm Canadian and Tasso's Canadian. And I don't know if it's like a pheromone or something like that. Maybe it's a maple syrup, hockey, <laughs> moose sweat. Not exactly sure, but somehow as Canadians, when we're within a certain range of each other, we somehow kind of, kind of tend to attract each other. And uh, he had a different company. This guy's a big, big, big tech entrepreneur. 
before he had a different tech company that he was working with. And uh, he asked us before we even had the restaurant open, he was actually our first catering gig. And so we catered some Canadian comfort food to him and his uh, staff. And one thing led to another. And again, the pheromones were working. And next thing you know, he's like, hey, Lex, that food was great. And thanks so much. And I was like, Tasso, thanks so much for hiring us and giving us a shot. He's like, I've got this new idea that I'm, that I'm toying with. And we'd like you to kind of give you some feedback, give us some feedback and get on the front lines. And so that's kind of how the connection came. Blame Canada, I guess. Blame Canada? Yeah. Awesome. Now, how important is it for other restaurant owners to familiarize themselves with available technology out there just to help them stay afloat during these times? Because uh, a lot of restaurant owners aren't even aware that there's stuff out there, whether it be through apps, technology like Numa or services that can greatly help them get through the pandemic. I mean, it's huge because at August, at least we're looking at it. This is not going to be, Oh, we're turn the light switch on and the economy is going to be back up and running. Uh, from an economic standpoint, restaurant businesses are based off how many times you can turn over a table in a given time period. It doesn't matter how many you, you got to get, you got, you got to maximize the amount of people that you can get into a place and you got to maximize the amount of time that you can turn that table over. So with what's going on with some of the plans and the, and the, and the proposals for 25% capacity, 50% capacity, well, is, is the general public going to, if, if that's where I'm at from, as a restaurant standpoint, is the general public going to be cool with me raising my prices 75% to cover that loss that I'm, gonna, that I'm not going to be making because my business plan and my business model is based, based on turning over my dining room X number of times in an evening? Probably not going to go for that. So business owners are going to have to really start looking outside the box because the normal days of a full dining room and waiters and waitresses coming and serving you and people hanging out. Those are, those are, those are going to be going to be a, a memory for a while, at least until we can get some type of vaccine here. So we are looking at a to go curbside model as being our business until, you know, COVID-19 gets, gets handled one way or another because the return to regular business isn't going to happen. And uh, those that are going to adapt and are going to adjust, and, you know, be on top of this new technology, they're going to be the ones that are going to make it through this. And those that don't and that are used to doing things a certain way and kind of get stuck in their ways, they're probably not going to make it through as sad as that is to, to, to think about. And some of the great restaurants, especially here in the Northern California Bay Area, that are probably not going to be around when we get back to whatever normal is going to be in the next year or two. It's, it's going to be really, really important and pertinent for uh, entrepreneurs, especially food business folks, to start thinking outside the box and, and seeing what these options are. And again, you know, Canadian citizenship aside, this has been something that's been very helpful to our business and has allowed us to to keep to keep afloat right now. And again, we're not making a ton of money. I'm not I'm not I'm not buying I'm not buying Teslas. I'm not buying Ferraris, but I'm making my payroll and the lights are on and you know we have the supplies of stuff we need. So this is going to be huge right now. Now, uh, Lex, were you, did you, show up, did you consider yourself pretty tech savvy prior to um, NUMA in terms of like implementing technology into your restaurant? Reasonably, reasonably. Uh, you know, I was able to figure out the Square platform, for instance. 
uh, unlike uh, unlike Tasso, you know, I went to Concordia University, which is kind of like the B University in Montreal. Tasso went to McGill University, which is you know they say that they say that Harvard is the McGill of the United States. That's how they put it. So I, I you know I, I I did what I could. I tried to adjust and adapt as best I could. Um, so I wouldn't say I was super tech savvy. I knew the basics. I knew how to upload something. I knew how to set things up uh, a little bit. And uh, luckily, working with Tasso made it easy. And I, look, I gotta say. I'll get a phone call from an old lady, maybe in her 80s, and I can tell because, you know, they got the voice and excuse me, you, you can tell what's going on. And I get sometimes a little bit nervous about being like, hey, well, look, the best thing to do, especially because you're older and your vulnerable population is to text the word order. It's like, do you have text messages? you have smartphone? Oh, yeah, I text my granddaughter all the time. Okay, just text the word order to our phone number and you'll be able to start it. And I get a little nervous. I say, hey, look, if you have any problems, you give, us, give me a call right back and I'll walk you through it. But I'd say like eight times out of 10, those folks that are not tech savvy, maybe a little bit uh, older generation who aren't you know, used to having these phones in their pockets are able to figure out, place an order. And then she comes and we bring out her food or he comes and we bring out his food. You know, guy in his 70s, 80s, even some 90-year-olds. We have, a, we have one customer who's 103 years old. I don't know if she's using NUMA, but I know she, she just had her 103rd birthday. They say, wow, that was really easy and like made sense and, and wasn't complicated and wasn't complex. So, you know, let's just hope they stay off of Instagram and Facebook and other, some of these other apps because that might get ugly. But uh, they were able to use the NUMA pretty easily. So, again, for, for old folks and people like myself who only went to Concordia University, we can definitely make a go of it. Now, did that experience happen during uh, quarantine? A hundred percent. And that's the majority of it. Cause those, those would be the customers. Those, those maybe older customers who would come in. Those would be the people that would be coming in to sit down with their husband or a group of friends to sit down and have a sandwich and have some fries and have a beer or soda or whatever. And now they can't do that. Their life has been changed drastically. We've got regulars who come in every day on a certain day and meet up with their friends and that's not an option for them anymore, but they still want to get their sandwich. They still want to get their food at Augie's. And so this has been kind of their lifeline in, in, in a way for them to keep doing it, doing it in a safe way and getting the food that they want. Awesome. Now, um, Tasso, let me get to you here. We have a couple questions. First off, can you give a basic rundown of what NUMA is? Yeah, so uh, NUMA helps uh, small businesses, whether it's restaurants or retailers, um, when customers are trying to reach you, uh, particularly for commercial purposes. So I want to order some food. Um, I want to know if you have a specific size of a, of a specific seat, uh, sneaker uh, in stock. Uh, so rather than the analog way of communicating with uh, physical retailers like by calling them, we're able to take that communication and move it over to messaging. Uh, and from there, you can conduct commerce. So in the case of, uh, of Lex and other restaurants, we're able to do takeout and curbside. So uh, by, by texting the word order, you can view an entire menu, select what you want to buy, pay for it, and then communicate with the restaurant uh, the timing and where you want and where you're going to pick up your your your, your food. Um, so that's kind of like the, the basic um, functionality of Numa is to bring the communication between consumers and businesses, especially small businesses, which is our our core target, uh, and make it just easier and do it via text messaging, which is the way consumers want to be interacting with businesses rather than having phone calls and exchanging voicemails and having error in communication where people are, are maybe putting, you know, uh, putting the right, uh, the wrong order information in. 
Uh, in addition to that, what Numa also helps out with, with businesses is uh, we learn about you. So we apply this artificial intelligence and we're able to answer some questions like store hours or do you have uh, you know, parking uh, or you know, can I bring my kid? Is it are you a child-friendly place? So we're able to learn about the specific restaurant or retailer and answer some of these questions automatically, which, which are helpful in terms of helping them manage their business because like Lex said, you know, wage rates are very high right now. We, you know, pre, pre-pandemic, we were at the lowest unemployment rates. There was a big labor shortage. It wasn't just paying the, I think the, the, the kind of you know, 15, $18 per hour, whatever the minimum wages are, or wages are obviously minimum. And, but it's also like you have to deal with staff turnover and retraining. And so it's very hard to do that. If there's basic things that you can get to your customer, basic information, in a, uh, you can get to your customers in a more efficient way that doesn't cost you as much money and is more pleasing to them, we'll let them do that in addition to fulfilling orders and, and commerce as well. Now, what was the catalyst or inspiration to starting Numa? Well, so I was uh, actually kind of like in between uh, uh, this, this startup and my other one, I had sold it. And I was just kind of hanging around, like not doing very much. And uh, uh, I was in the middle of a home remodel, believe it or not. And His wife wanted him out the house is what it really comes down to. <laughs> So, so if you've ever done one of those and you know you have to deal with like people doing, you know, your floors and buying the appliances, and you've got everyone's kind of, so, so I, I, I was spending my entire time pretty much playing phone tag with people, trying to read out the specific part number for a dishwasher over the phone. And I got maybe a number wrong. So the person responding back with the time of the delivery one would deliver the wrong one. The, the interaction between businesses and consumers was very, very broken. Uh, from from my perspective, from our perspective, uh, and you know, I was texting my daughter, you know, have a good day, uh, and I love you. So, somebody that I really deeply emotionally cared about, I would be texting, and somebody that, like, you know, was just I was just trying to get some information from, I have to talk over the phone and have a have a, a deeper kind of like emotional kind of conversation, which I felt was wrong. Uh, and then we also looked at what was happening in places like China where um, the, you know, it's, it's a newer ecosystem of businesses there, uh, and all of them are tied into this platform called WeChat, where you know, I wouldn't call a business or even go to their website, I would contact a business via WeChat, which is a messaging-based interface. Um, so our view is that the world is gonna move this way here. Companies like Google and Apple and Facebook are allowing consumers to be able to message, uh, and you know, we want to be the ones that would help out the businesses use messaging to solve their problems. Does Numa work as an app? Well, so if you're if you're a consumer, so if you're reaching out to Augie's to get some of their some of the real poutine, which is the real deal stuff that you get in Mon- in Montreal or some of the noted smoke meat. Yeah, if you want real poutine, by the way, that's the only place that I've eaten it in the United States. Actually, the only place that I've eaten it outside of Montreal, outside of the province of Quebec. It's really Quebec. It's not a, when people talk about poutine being Canadian. It's not really Canadian. It is Quebec. And specifically, kind of where we're from, where Lex and I are from, which is Montreal. So don't let anyone tell you some Toronto chain is like opening up poutine like, like that for, for for us that know or no, that's not real poutine. Uh, and then don't forget also the smoked meat, which is you know better than pastrami or corned beef. I mean, and, I, and I've lived in New York, so um, we noted. <laughs> yeah, so that, that that that's I think I think that's what, what I would say. Okay, now. Um has there been an influx of new clientele since the pandemic? Yeah, so what we've done, um, you know, I mean, I, I think our view is that this, that when you're a company, you're part of an ecosystem, 
So your customers, partners, everybody needs to thrive for the ecosystem to work. And we're firm believers in that. So when the pandemic hit, you know, we, it was very obvious when folks aren't allowed to open up their businesses without certain constraints, they're unable to, to make revenue and pay the rent. This, this is kind of a very, this is as horrific a condition as can happen to our customers. So we offer our service uh, for free. Uh, during this during this period, so we stopped charging customers that were existing paying customers, and uh, for new folks, we're giving them a, a chance to use the service, bring these services. So we have seen a significant increase. Like think of it as kind of like four to five times increase in customer signups. Um, again, we're not charging anybody for this, um, and a lot of it is you know uh, you know many many restaurants that accounts for a good very good percentage, probably half of our uh, of, of, of our inbounds. Uh, and it allows a restaurant to now, if you didn't have it before, in a free way to be able to do t takeout and curbside for your customer base. Uh, and that we find is kind of a very, very important service to have in today's world where we're in a curbside commerce world. Um, and you don't have to pay those kind of, you know, semi-exorbitant uh, fees to, you know, to the other third parties that make your, your ability to run your business not profitable. I think a lot of those you know, third-party services are so customers, you know, I'm not a restaurateur like, like Lex says, but I think a lot of them that use those services, they want to keep their connection with their customers. They want maybe their customers to try out their food. But when you're, you know, getting something on Uber Eats or you're, you're delivering something on Uber Eats, you're not making money off of that customer. Um, no, 15 to 30% is what they're taking. And just to dovetail off of Tasso saying, it's not an, it's not an app for the consumer, which I think is, is kind of cool. It's kind of like, how many freaking apps do you have on your phone dashboard right now? Between my kids using my account and everything I've got, I got, you know, I got like six pages worth of apps and, you know, you're searching for this or that or the other. The beauty of Numa is like, it's not an app on the consumer's phone. So you just send a text message like you would any other person uh, on your contacts list and you don't have to sit there and, and scroll through and try to find that that NUMA app that's on your phone and you don't have to take up, you know, space on your phone with it. And I've heard from a lot of customers that's something they really like about it because it's, it's not, it's not as intrusive that way as some of the other apps that you use. You know, everybody's got an app, right? Like I think everybody and their grandmother has an app. Now there's the grandma app, there's the auntie app, the uncle app, 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 app. Whereas with NUMA, you don't have to, you don't have to deal with that. And it just, it, it makes for a, it's just, I don't know, man. It, Somebody was telling me this the other day, they're like, it's kind of like a very Canadian thing in that it's like unobtrusive and not like super in your face, but very convenient and very polite and very nice and just like an easier way to, you know, get your service or your product for people. Um, yeah, I had, I, had a, I had a customer of mine tell me that because they're always making a lot of, as Tasso's used to as well, you know, we get a lot of Canadian jokes all the time about, you know. Is that, do you speak English? Do you speak Canadian? You know, why didn't you say I after this? But that is something that I've noticed about it is, is not having the actual app on your phone for the consumers, a definite, a definite plus. We, we definitely have politeness pixie dust on there. 100%. <laughs> nice. Lex, follow-up question here uh, based on what you just said uh, and what Tasso mentioned. Does that mean you, you've been um, able to not, or I guess avoid using third-party delivery apps, or are you still using them? Uh, we are using them, but sparingly. I mean, I can tell you that our, our, I mean, we don't even send people there anymore. When people call and say, hey, how can I get food? I just say, text the word order to our phone number. 
and you know use use the use the text message ordering system. So I'd say our, we were on 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 caviar. Um, I was able to negotiate down our rate, but I mean, again, with these third party apps, it, yeah, it's it's cool in regular times where you can get those people that probably weren't going to come out of the house. Maybe they like to hang out in the house. Maybe they're shut-ins. I don't know what it is, but they're not necessarily going to come out and come to your restaurant. So during regular times when you do have your normal customers coming in, right on, cool, caviar is an expensive way to gain more customers, but it's almost like a little bit of extra gravy thrown on top every month that you need to have. Um, but in a pandemic time where, again, restaurant margins, and we try to tell people this when they, when they bitch and complain about the prices of food, a restaurant margin, if you're doing a 5% profit margin, you are killing the game in, in, in the restaurant industry. So if you have a third-party app that's taken between 15 and 30% of every single sale, you can't charge extra for your caviar sales. The, the menus have to match. The prices have to match. And that's all you're relying on? Well, guess what? Your 5% margin just turned into a, 25, or a 15 or 25% loss on that item. So we've, we've definitely been steering clear and steering away from it. Um, I know a lot of people started to see it during the pandemic and I had a lot of people ask, oh, is, would it be good for us to order via caviar or Grubhub? And I said, actually, no, because you're going you're gonna to kill any profit margin that I had is just going to disappear through them. So you're not really supporting those small local restaurants when you're doing that. You're supporting the apps and hey, more power to them, props to them for coming up with a good idea that works, that, that fills that need that people need for delivery. But as far as the, the actual impact on the small business, Having something like a numerate emoji where it's a fixed cost. I know exactly how much every month I'm going to have to spend to have the service to acquire those customers. And it's not going to vary by the, the, the number of orders that we take through them or the number of orders that are processed through them. It's just another line item in my budget. So it's going to be a hell of a lot easier for me to, all right, maybe I get now that I'm doing a lot more to-go stuff and curbside, guess what? I'm going to order 150 less towels. That's probably the amount of money that it was going to cost me to have Numa up and running for me. So it's, it's, it's a wash. So from an economic perspective, as a restaurateur, it just makes a hell of a lot more sense than trying. You, you cannot make your money just selling on Caviar or Grubhub or these third-party deliveries. It's just, just, just not the way, the, that's not the way the, that this type of business works. Uh, Lex, true or false? And feel free to elaborate on your response. Me elaborate uh, on my response? <laughs> uh, Numa has kept your restaurant pandemic proof. Nothing can keep, you know what to keep a pandemic proof? A vaccine. You give me a vaccine, then, then it'll be pandemic proof. I don't think anything's pandemic proof, but it sure as hell has softened the blow. It's allowed us to look 80% of business in the, or restaurants in the, in the Bay Area here in Northern California, like the foodie capital of the country, maybe of the world are shut down right now. And we're still up and running this, you know, scrubby little Canadian outfit in an industrial warehouse area in West Berkeley uh, is still up and running. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself a little bit of credit. I can't give it all to Tasso on this one in Numa right now. Like I did a pretty decent job. We make, we make, a, pretty, we make a pretty damn good sandwich and a, and a, and a proper poutine. But I got to say, if we were relying on third-party apps or we were just sitting there answering the phones to take these orders all the time, there's no way we'd be able to, ha I mean, even if I had eight people answering the phones, there's no way we'd be able to keep up with those orders, with that, uh, with, with, with the, with the flow of customers that we were coming in without it. I mean, it's just, it just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible. There's just not enough, it, there's not enough, uh, there's not enough 
just infrastructure in a normal restaurant to kind of handle that kind of onslaught and that rush. And again, if I was using a third party and even using the third party app, I still have to, if caviar, people don't understand this, but if caviar sends an order in, I still have to manually input that order into my POS and go ahead and confirm it. Whereas with the NUMA app, I basically just hit a green button. All of a sudden it prints out to all of my printers. The, 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 uh, everything is included in, in the whole process. So I don't, I don't have to, I, I, I'll have one person has to do is press one button and the order is accepted. Whereas one of these third party things. So it's just, if we're just relying on that, there's no way we'd be able to do it. So is it, is it COVID proof? No, I mean, nothing's pandemic proof, but it, it, it sure has allowed us to have a much better chance and a fighting chance to get through this. And I mean, look, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And obviously I'm hopeful and trying to stay positive that everything's going to be good, but we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week. So I can't guarantee anything and there's nothing that's proof. But I can tell you that we got a much better, we got a much better uh, shot in this fight to be one of the restaurants that survives and businesses survives because we've got, uh, you know, some alternative technology like Numa as opposed to if we're just trying to run things the old-fashioned way. Great. Um, for Tasso, how has the company been able to sustain itself during the two-month free period for restaurants? Uh, we were fortunate. We raised. Um, our venture capital, uh, it's been a year now, um, we raised a $10.5 million round. Um, so, you know, and that, that goes to, to R&D and software development. Um, so, you know, we're, we're kind of frugal in terms of how we spend uh, our, uh, our capital. So we, you know, our, our view is that this is the right thing from a business perspective. So um, we're able to survive it. Great. Now, does NUMA plan to expand their uh, host of services? And if not, what is the future for NUMA? I mean, we're always expanding. Uh, we're always trying to do uh, the right thing, and that means helping folks like Lex solve, helping them solve problems that they might have. Uh, you know, so for example, um, you know, like we're adding more curbside functionality features. So you know, like things like the make and model of uh, uh, your car and color of your car and what parking spot that you're in if the parking spots are numbered. These are additional functionalities that we're building out in today's world where curbside and takeout we think is going to be a bigger part of the uh, economy. Uh, people are going to start getting used to it. Some people are going to prefer it. So we're building out those, that, that kind of functionality, for example. Uh, and then we're also looking, we see that obviously retail and the restaurant world will shift and adjust. There'll be fewer people allowed in to, to retail areas, uh, there'll be you know, limits and, and, and can we develop tools that will help uh, folks like Lex or other retailers be able to uh, exercise that and be able to, to process the, the, the new rules that will be in place. So these are the things that we're looking at from an R&D perspective. Great, uh, and this question is for both of you. Uh, how do you anticipate the rise of alternative technology for restaurants? What do you mean by that? Give us some examples of the rise of uh, well, I, I just noticed that um, Lex referred to NUMA as like alternative technology within the same sentence as third-party delivery apps. How do you see that changing the landscape for, for restaurants? Do you see alternative technology flourishing? Uh, dude, evolve or die, bro. Like, I mean, that's, that's been, I mean, right? That's been the mantra forever, like forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. If you don't evolve and you don't change, you will die, you will fail, 
It's been true in every single industry. It's been true in every single civilization. It's been true in every single country. I mean, it, it, it's the natural progression. And I mean, you can see it, you can read it. Uh, you, you can see it in nature. It's just a fact that if you don't, if you don't figure out another way to do stuff, things are going to change. Change is inevitable. And those that adapt and adjust with the change and grow with the change are going to thrive and survive. And those that don't go extinct. I think Charles Darwin never said survival of the fittest. He said survival of those that adapt the fastest. I think that's what Alexis is uh, implying. So yeah, alternative technologies that help your business. If you're not adapting them, somebody else will and you will adapt. Right. All right. So that was a very uh, in-depth and helpful conversation to help us understand uh, disruptive and alternative technologies like NUMA and how it had benefited uh, Augie's Montreal Delhi. Um, I know we relayed a particular experience that you had, Jeff, uh, on Mother's Day. Now, knowing that and like the possible solutions NUMA can introduce to you, how do you feel? I feel like we need a thousand NUMAs. I feel like right now there's so much tech for restaurants to understand, but a lot of it is built to benefit tech first. And and I get it. You're a VC backed company that you need to exit. Like, cool. You're going to take every dollar that you can for your service. But the reality is COVID has, and Reach, you put this, I think really clearly, it's put restaurants into a corner where they have to use these delivery services. They have to essentially lose 30% of their revenue because they can't increase pricing because consumers won't have it, even if they're getting it delivered to their door. And so the more NUMAs that exist that can take <clears throat> uh, just restaurant demand to another level. So restaurants can actually earn more real money with the real margin that they need it to be. Uh, I would love to continue to see it and would love to continue to cover on this pod. Yeah, man, that's a spicy problem with tech in food for the past like 10 years is that they don't operate in a reality. They operate to serve the VC at the end of the, the, the line here. So they, when they talk about like, oh, well, restaurants use us, like in what real capacity? They don't, I don't feel like they understand the economics of restaurants. And until they start understanding that and trying to actually serve them, they're not going to have restaurants, so they're not going to have a product. So it's going to affect the whole freaking ecosystem and those companies that are going to try to find value through the Grubhubs, the, the Uber Eats of the world, like those companies at the very end of this, if there are no restaurants to serve them, to be a part of their prog program, then they're not going to have the content to survive. So uh, I think it's our due diligence to just keep finding places that actually serve a restaurant's bottom line. Um, so reach, I appreciate you diving into NUMA, man. I'm, you know, I'm real excited to hopefully see more restaurants use, whether it's NUMA or programs like NUMA that give restaurants more power. Cause man, if I could just text my favorite restaurant, the order, and they already have my credit card on file and they'll like text me back when that shit's ready. I'm a happy camper, man. I'm a happy camper. I think it's good for them. So I hope, um, either through NUMA and other programs, we can keep showing off stuff like that. Um, there are some dope other programs out there. Like now you could like order off of Instagram 
um, using Chow now. So we're always, you know, looking for other tech like that. You know, hopefully the viewers can hit us with some recommendations also. Yeah, just put us on to other dope uh, technology that can help these restaurants. Yeah, with that, guys, we really appreciate you guys listening so much. Um, and if, if you guys enjoyed what you heard, please do leave a review on the Apple Podcast Store. Uh, it, it means a lot to us. Uh, it really levels up. Um, every review go in, uh, we read, and also it just gets us higher on those rankings um, and more people can be part of this, uh, this conversation that we like to have weekly and bi-weekly. So really appreciate you guys. Uh, it's been uh, myself, Eli, Jeff over there, and Reach today. Reach, thanks again for joining. Guys, if you have anything, please tweet at us at Food Beast. Hit us up on Instagram at Food Beast, and we will see you next week. The episodes coming up are crazy, guys. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay plugged in. Thanks, y'all.